Welcome to this special edition of the New Stack Makers on the Road. We're here at the Open Source Summit in Austin, Texas. Discussions from the show floor with technologists giving you their expertise and insights to help you with your everyday work. Hi, everyone. I'm Emily O'Meara with the New Stack, and I am at Open Source Summit in Austin. And I am chatting right now with Julia Ferrioli. And she is the open source technical leader at Cisco. Thank you so much for joining me, Julia. Thanks for having me. So first off, if you could just introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about what you do. Sure. So I am an open source technical leader at Cisco's open source programs office, otherwise known as an OSPO. I like to say that I'm a bit of a Swiss army knife in terms of open source. So whatever needs to be done, I do it. So if you need scripting, that's me. If you need compliance, that's probably me too. And participate in a lot of industry communities in terms of how to use open source and how to be in the open source ecosystem responsibly as, as a company or a representative of a company. And you've spoken and written about a social model for open source in, in contrast to like a technical or a legal model of open source. So mm-hmm. I was hoping you could tell us a little bit about that. Like what is even a technical model for open source and what's what are the alternatives? Sure, so I will admit that the technical model side of things is a little bit snarky because what you would hear in the various industry chatter amongst open source is, well, that's open source technically. And so the technical model is, okay, what are the criteria that you need to satisfy in order to be considered open source? And that mostly boils down to the open source definition, which has a number of criteria. And it is typically embodied in terms of a license, so the legal criteria. But when people talk about open source, they usually are talking about so much more than what the license is, right? So the social model is really about capturing the the rest of it. Not ambitious at all. So I think it's a really good opportunity to talk about sort of like some of the silent parts of open source, the things that people either assume but never say or don't like to talk about. Uh, So one of the things that this makes me think of is, yes, we think that open source is so much more than like just the license. On the other hand, like also to be slightly cynical, there are definitely companies out there that have an open source project, have no intention, like they think of it as a lead gen activity or, you know, they they just don't really have an intention of what we think of with open source, like building a robust community. That's not really what they're doing. There are definitely opinions around that. And one of the things that I kind of envision in this in this model, which, by the way, is completely incomplete and naive and uh, definitely a work in progress. It's a thought experiment at this point. But when you break things down by purpose, like why is something open source? Lead gen is definitely something that we see from a lot of companies. Sure. The one that I like to pick out is... This is open source because I am releasing a research paper and in order to 
aid in reproducibility of research, I am releasing the code that I use in order to replicate the results and validate it on your own. And that's an important area of both open source and reproducibility in research. In order for people to use it, learn from it, repurpose it, it needs to be open source. But in order for it to still remain a valid way to reproduce the paper's results, they can't necessarily accept changes. So they're not building an ecosystem around that piece of code. It's no less open source than others. So if you break things down by purpose, it's not always that you're trying to build the robust community. It's about learning. It's about building on the shoulders of giants, right? Like making sure that we're taking the best practices that other people have learned and bringing them forward. Do you think there are any like motivations or purposes for, for open source, like choosing an open source license, making something technically open source? Uh, like, are there any motivations that are not valid? What are the nefarious purposes of open source? Is that what you're asking? Well, no. Um, <laughs> I'm like, we, you sort of alluded to it when you'd say like so, someone might roll their eyes and say, oh, well, that's technically open source. I mean, if it is technically open source, you know, you're not going to get sued because you're mm -hmm. using this source code. Like, is, is there something that would sort of disqualify it from being, you know, a legitimate open source project? Anytime when you would say, look, you really shouldn't call yourself open source. Well, you're, you're baiting me into a hot take here. I think that generally speaking, if something does not fulfill the spirit of the open source definition, and I will deliberately say spirit, it becomes not open source. So if you start to discriminate based on group, based on identity, based on area of technology, that automatically violates the technical definition of open source. And there is a word that, that I think a lot of people don't remember and that I saw the other day called shareware, where you have a piece of software that's kind of free and open for a time, but there are bounds on it. And I see that kind of infiltrating the open source ecosystem a bit, and I will not be baited into naming names, but we, we do see this, and it's typically in order to kind of build a business around open source by gatekeeping the, the more useful functionality. But that violates the technical definition, so you don't even get into the what is the purpose of the open source project side of things. You, you also used a four-letter word just a minute ago, and that was evil. Is open source necessarily good? And you know, to answer the question, like, can open source be used for evil? Like, if you are an evil open source project, are you still open source? And who gets to decide what evil is? Did I use the word evil? I think you did. Oh, wow. I try to not say that. Apologies. I think 
technology is, is not neutral. There are definitely areas where you can release open source that does bad things. You can release open source that is used in bad ways, even if it wasn't the intent or the goal of the open source project. I think it's important for all of us to be aware of how the software that we write can be misused. But going back to the widely accepted open source definition, you can't discriminate on the basis of area of technology, application. So can open source be evil? Anything can be evil. I like to think of the good. Okay, well, we could move away okay. from the discussion of good and evil. But uh, going back to this idea of like the different purposes of mm -hmm. open source, uh, it strikes me also, you know, if you were to think about whether or not this open source project is successful, that's really important. So mm -hmm. the measurement for success, if you've open sourced something that's part of a research project and you need other people to, to use it to validate your, your research, like that has a very different success criteria than you know if building a million person community is, is your goal. How does this social model sort of integrate the idea of like different success metrics based on your goal? It's a great question. And I think that it introduces the nuance, the framework that, that allows you to really dig into what the common success metrics for the different types of open source projects might be. So I spent maybe four or five years working in developer relations when that was a nascent field, so a while ago. And developer relations uses open source a lot in terms of demos, in terms of showing off best practices, showing how to use proprietary APIs so that other people can, can build on top of it. The success metric for that isn't, for a project like that, a demo, isn't necessarily going to be adoption, community, etc. It's about, okay, well, do we see people using the technology that it's designed to facilitate in, in ways that are struggling to find a word other than good, but useful for them? So I think it helps people narrow down what appropriate success metrics might be. Metrics are a, are a topic I am very opinionated about. So there is no one size fits all for determining success metrics. And it really depends on the, the goals that you have. Like one, one goal that someone has for a project could be, I just want to have fun with my friends. What is the success metric for that? How do you quantify fun? That is a line from Calvin and Hobbes, by the way. Is it really? Yes. <laughs> just goes to show you. <laughs> so um, anyway, uh, thank you so much for, for chatting with me, Julia. Everyone who's listening or joining us, thank you so much for joining us. We are at Open Source Summit in Austin. I'm Emily. This is the new stack. And thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Subscribe on Simplecast to listen to more episodes on the new Stack Makers. Create and share your favorite audiogram using our Simplecast player. For more articles and great stories, go to the newstack.io.